Hey guys, welcome back to A Bite of D&D, the podcast that adds flavor to your games and campaigns. My name is Zach, and Micah, my co-host, is not across the internet from me today. Today I have a guest named Jack. How are you doing, Jack? I am doing great. How are you doing? I am doing just fine. So, Jack, we are going to be, or may have already done, an interview with you for the uh, fine folks. You are a content creator on the Dungeon Masters Guild. But you also, as part of that content, used creatures out of the Monster Manual. And today we're going to talk about the Shadow Demon on page 64. And we're going to talk about what we like about it, what's interesting, and uh, how we like to implement it into our games. So let's start off with this. Tell me why you put it in your adventure. Absolutely. So for people that maybe need a little bit of context, in my adventure you're basically... um... The players are tasked with infiltrating a mansion owned by this warlock. He's a bit more than he appears to be on the outside. And as you go through the mansion, you find you know these demons and devils that he's summoned to help him about. And uh, one of the things that really spoke to me about the shadow demon is, you know, it's a decently low level. It's only CR four, but it's just got so much utility. Like it can, um, like its shadow stealth makes it like able to hide so easily that it made for a perfect kind of gotcha yeah. moment. Like, oh, you've fallen into this trap. You were not quiet enough. You did not, you were not sneaky enough when you got into the mansion and now you got to deal with this. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a good like half monster, half trap. Yeah, and it can go through walls too, which is helpful in a mansion for it to stay right behind or right ahead of the party, depending on what it needs to do. Another item that I really like, especially for the low CR is that it only does psychic damage so it's a great monster to throw at a party who's who's got a a barbarian or something like that up in the front who's used to just tanking everything and being fine psychic damage is something that very few party members at at level three four five are going to have resistance to yeah it's very surprising for you know something so that you can encounter so early in an adventure speaking of which it like another surprising thing is just how many resistances and immunities this oh yeah thing has. It's like, a weird layout, yeah. Yeah, resistant to acid, fire, necrotic thunder, bludgeoning, uh, piercing, and slashing, immune to cold and lightning and poison. It's Everything. for a lot of my players. Yeah, it was for a lot of my players. It was their first time encountering something that could just shrug off so many different things. Yeah, it's not difficult to hit with an AC of thirteen. It's one of the easier to hit uh, demons, but it makes up for that with 66 hit points, but by the time you add up all its resistances, it might as well have 130. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Another crazy thing, I I don't recognize this as being anywhere else in the monster manual, but down at the bottom it talks about um, if it has advantage on the roll, it does double damage, basically. Like, it crits if it has advantage which I think is really cool and gives you that surprise like you talked about, like that gotcha moment, and then it kind of scales it back to something that's more reasonable for the rest of the fight. Yeah, it's almost like a demon rogue in that sense, like a bit of sneak attack damage thrown in there. Exactly, exactly. It's just a real—I mean, if it's the theme, right? I think we can safely say that the shadow demon feels like a shadow demon. Yeah, it is very much exactly what it, it should be. So mechanic-wise, it did what you wanted it to within your adventure, and and I've used it from time to time, too. I I am in complete agreement with you that it's a nice, low-level demon that feels—it feels like a fight, and it feels like Mm -hmm. a big bad. I mean, for a low-tier 
adventure or a low tier trilogy, this could be one of your big bads and it feels bad enough to be a big bad. A lot of times with these lower tiers, it's like, oh, at the end of this this huge um, adventure or this this crazy this crazy engagement, I'm going to fight a kobold, or I'm you know a chieftain kobold, or a or what or a, or a head orc, or I'm going to fight the one ogre. And um, not that those things aren't bad or, or are bad, but I kind of like this feeling. Absolutely. And I think a lot of players, you know, they get to the end of the dungeon, they get to the end of the story arc or whatever, and they're expecting to fight something big. They're expecting to fight, you know, a young dragon. They're expecting to fight an ogre. But this is, you know, it's a medium size and it's something that's, you know, not meant to be physically imposing, but more uh, crafty. Yeah, yeah. And how it fights, you know, it can duck in and out of hiding with its shadow stealth and is dealing more damage from hiding. It's uh, like it's really meant to be kind of surprising in how it wants to fight you i agree a part of this that we haven't gotten into kind of its one weakness is light sensitivity right and that plays in uh really well again with the theme of shadow but that's something that your players can take advantage on because the it says while in bright light which is way better than saying while in daylight which is Mm -hmm. with a lot of things i mean many many parties even at low levels, can produce some sort of bright light in the area, which is an easy way to kind of counter some of the potency of this creature. Yeah, and it's a great way for your party to have that aha moment where, you know, we can deal with this, not necessarily by beating it into submission, but we can use a tool. We have, you know, a daylight spell. We have torches. We can weaken this thing. Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk a minute about, and I don't know how much you factored this into your adventure. You don't really have to at all, but talk about kind of how Wizards of the Coast or or Dungeons & Dragons tells us that the shadow demon should come about. It says that when a demon dies, its body is destroyed, but it can't go back into the abyss, then it becomes a shadow. Which to me, that's like a great way to keep an accidental death of a big bad from derailing your adventure or your multi-length adventure very much. Okay, you killed it when I didn't mean for you to, but it can come back as this shadow. Or maybe you had that planned all along that, oh, this demon, they're going to think they've killed it and that's that, but it's it's going to follow them now as a shadow. But I, I like I like that. But did you did you look at any of that lore before you wrote it or did you just kind of say, hey, it feels good for, for what I need here? Oh, yeah, I definitely looked over it. And um, one of the things that wizards mention is that um, this is often brought about by like a mortal using magic, you know, this kind of transformation into a shadow demon, which to me just screams, oh, yeah, minion for another big bad. And even though, Mm. you know, they are a force in and of themselves, they're not necessarily, you know, minion type weak. They're definitely lore wise something that sounds like they'd be manipulated or used by a more powerful force. And I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, keep yeah, because it's good to keep in mind that they are a CR4, so they they have limitations. And while they can be a great, you know, big bad for low levels, just that stealth and that surprise can still make a great impact, even in higher levels of play, even like in Tier 2, even Tier 3, these can be, you know, a huge threat to a party that isn't expecting them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're good ambush, and then they continue to be, they continue to have worth at higher levels because their damage type is different. And because they have so many resistances, they're going to hang in for a little while, more than likely. I mean, even if you throw a fireball on them, it's not really going to do a whole lot. 
to these guys, even at, if you th cast a, at, it at higher level, it's going to be fine. Okay, anything else that you like from Wizards lore? I mean, there's, it's just a really short entry as far as it goes. Yeah, they don't take up a whole lot of space in the manual. What I really... Something that I especially do like is that incorporeal movement. Combining that with the shadow stealth, it makes it very great to use in like a dungeon or a mansion setting because it can be like something that hits the party and then escapes before it can be defeated. And it's something that can continually harass the party if you wanted to play it smart like that. Like it's uh, intelligence 14 creatures, mm -hmm. you know, wisdom 13. So it's, you know, it's not some mindless beast. This thing can fight you intelligently. It can strategize. It can really match the party intellectually too, not just, you know, come in arms swinging until it dies. I agree. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because, like, looking at the, the two entries right next to it, you have a Vrock, which is an 8, and a, a Yokel, uh, 13, but it's still a little lower. It's definitely on the higher end of intelligence for the demons. Uh, one thing that I would note, if you're running a game that may or may not uh, travel to other planes, to the other planes, is that, as far as I can gather, a Shadow Demon isn't going to appear, can't appear in in the abyss. So it's like the one demon that will never be found if you go there. So that would be something to keep in mind if it's not to not to accidentally pull this in that plane of existence. Kind of ironic, really. Yeah. The main topic, of course, is the shadow demon, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about you have an entry in your game for a new creature called the Shadow Hound. In my opinion, in your adventure, the Shadow Hound kind of helps continue that flavor, continue that uh, imagery from the shadow demon on into the rest of your adventure while keeping it at a low CR. But tell me about creating the shadow hound and why it was important for you to make your own creature for that. Sure. So with the kind of the main enemy of this, um, of this adventure, it's this warlock who, um, is quite paranoid. He is somebody who expects to be, you know, attacked. He's expecting heroes to come in, swoop in and stop his, plans at any moment and so he wants protection and i needed some i needed um like protection in the form of monsters that he could essentially carry around with him and so i came up with these shadow hounds i mostly used the shadow mastiff from i believe it's volo's guide yeah. to monsters kind of as a template and um the way that these work is that they effectively hide inside of the warlock's shadow and he's yeah. able to you know kind of snap his fingers bring him out and it kind of gives the players that oh no moment of we thought we had him cornered he has us cornered yes i loved that 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 they they pull from his shadow kind of almost peter pan like but it, but i don't think it felt that way at least when when i ran it i don't i i think that it's a really great idea for and i think it makes thematic sense and it made sense to my players that these shadow hounds were going to be pulled from a shadow and it was a great way for them to hide in plain sight and like you said for it to kind of be this surprise element which is always great when you're dealing with like i would call this it's not really a haunted mansion but a haunted when you're dealing with the haunted mansion theme you want those surprise twists where you can get them and i really wanted it to not be i didn't want it to seem like a cheap surprise and so i was very careful to like kind of foreshadow it in the adventure itself by having the players possibly find those um, totems to the two shadow hounds. Exactly. That was perfect. Um, and without getting into the adventure too much, I think that, that, that that's a great, it was a great way for these lower CR things. It's a great way to also give an opportunity for them to be destroyed more effectively. So if you found these talismans and you destroyed them, 
now that's that's a fight that you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an element that I'll be carrying over into a lot of my games with, if they have demons or devils, is this idea of if you can find the talisman, if it's here and you can find it, you can you can have a huge advantage going into this fight or in the middle of this fight. There are ways to swing the tide into your favor. And I think that that's an interesting concept to bring to the demon encounter. Okay, uh, so as far as the shadow the shadow hound goes, I, I'm just going to... You've already mentioned that it's basically built off of the shadow mastiff. It really, really is just a slightly weaker version of that. It's a CR1 as opposed to CR2. So if someone has Volos, they can just kind of scale that back a hair. What were you? Mm-hmm. What do you feel like the biggest changes you made to it are? Just because people listening may not have, probably haven't played your game yet, so they they want to tweak the Shadow Mastiff to become a Shadow Hound. What are the th- top couple things that you think they need to do there? Sure. So if you're looking to tweak the Shadow Hound, um, especially with a lower level party like um like this adventure is meant to it's meant for you know level three to four adventures you got to be careful with too many cr2s because that can be so overwhelming just two of them plus a boss mm-hmm. you know lowering the damage just a bit um i don't believe i lowered the chance to hit very much so i still wanted them to be able to like whittle down your hp but not necessarily be the big heavy hitters i wanted to make the party nervous without making them dead <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, you kept their shadow stealth, you kept their incorporeal movement, you com- kept their keen hearing and smell. Really, we're just tweaking damage and we're tweaking hit points, right? Yeah, and I can't remember if the shadow mastiffs had this too, but I was very conscious to include the um, light sensitivity as well, because like we talked about before with the shadow demon, I wanted, them to, I wanted the players to be able to, um, if they discovered the shadow demon's weakness... They could also apply this to the boss fight and weaken the Shadow Hounds as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I really like... I hadn't even picked up on that, but that's, again, good foreshadowing to allow um, to allow them to get clues on how to, how to improve that. Because that last fight can be very challenging. If they didn't find the talismans or they don't know exactly what they're doing with them, fighting a, a warlock and two, two CR1 Hounds, especially if, if you've gone through the rest of it, you fought the uh the shadow demon you've encountered traps or whatnot you can you can be at a rough spot even then yeah so i'm looking really uh looks like i mean you didn't even drop the hit points that much that much which is reasonable i don't think because you you don't want it to go down in one round of combat yeah and i figure with an armor class of 11 it they're not going to be too hard to hit no 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 um and really you just dropped uh drink drop their strength score down which which just made their over average damage quite a bit less, but not not unreasonable. Just made all the saves and everything a little bit lower. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a really simple, just tweak a few numbers down and you're good to go. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about as far as the Shadow Mastiff or the Shadow Demon is concerned? Nothing really comes to mind. As you can tell, I really like things that are in the shadows. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell everyone, or why don't you tell everyone where they can find the Shadow Hound and uh, what the name of your adventure is? Absolutely. So if you go onto the Dungeon Masters Guild, you can find a quiet man's house. It is a, I'd say, three to six hour adventure. Um, You can probably do it in an evening or two, meant for parties level three to four. And I really hope if you try it out, you enjoy it. Yeah, and I I said it on 
during the interview episode, and I'll say it again here. I re- I ran a few of my players through it. They truly loved it. We got through in about three hours, and they were moving pretty quick. So I, I think you're right in line there. They were fourth level, so you're right in line there. I would highly recommend that you pick up uh, A Quiet Man's House. What is it, like three bucks or so on the DMs Guild? Uh, yeah, I believe it's two ninety nine right now. Yeah, that's completely reasonable for what you're getting out of this, which is an adventure that you can pick up and run as is and not have to worry about anything. Jack, I want to thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, um, we would look forward to um, any future content that you might have. Guys, Can you can look uh, Jack up on the DMs Guild. If you search for Jack Weibel, that's how you say your last name, right? Yep. Jack Weibel, W-A-I-B-E-L, on the DMs Guild. You can find all the adventures um, that Jack has written. Thanks again for listening. If you want to check us out on Facebook, give us a like, follow us on Twitter. Uh, that would be awesome. Check us out on our website. Um, we're going to be at Winter Fantasy, probably just getting back from that, actually, and we'll probably be talking about that in the coming episodes. Uh, and then we're scheduling out our convention schedule for the rest of the year, and uh, we're excited to get to have the opportunities to see more and more of you guys out and about in the wild. Till next time, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm.